0: Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson.
1: Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey.
0: And I'm Davey. And today we have a great conversation for you with Ken Baugh. He's the founder and CEO of IDT Ministries, um, and he is a pastor to pastors, which I very much appreciate. I know you do as well. Yes.
1: Pastors need pastors. Pastors (laughs) That is real right there.
0: Pastors. Uh, He's a coach for Christian executives and the author of Unhindered Abundance. Restoring our souls in a fragmented world. And I'll tell you, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about this on the back end of this conversation, but right. this message that he's carrying is something that um, I need right now. I feel mm. like just the pace of, of life and, you know, yeah. parenting and ministry and all of that, very easily our souls can begin to fragment or at least feel so that true. way. And so I'm excited for you guys as listeners to hear what he has to say and hear a little bit of his story.
1: We also have a review, Davey, that I want to read you and our listeners. It's a really good one. Um, This is from, I love this name, by the way. This is from Princess Nancy.
0: Princess Nancy. Princess Nancy. Awesome. She
1: says, great show. And she says, I just listened to episode 172 on child loss. Mm. Oh, this is a hard one. But here's what she says. I lost my son 10 years ago to stupid cancer when he was just 21 months old.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I could relate to them. That's the couple in episode 172. I could relate to them so much. When my son should have been in second grade and celebrating his first Holy Communion, we sent a check to our friend who is a pastor. We told him to find a boy in his church who couldn't afford a new suit and give it to that family in our son's honor. Mm. And that's all it says, but I think that's a beautiful picture of this person Yeah. I mean, nothing is wasted, right? I mean, that is such depth of pain, losing a 21-month-old. But look at her out of her pain honoring another family. I think that's really, really such a powerful interview. So thank you. Thank you, Nancy, for sharing that. And listeners, (sighs) it always means a lot to us to hear those stories. And so we would love to invite you to rate and review us yeah. on Apple Podcasts and just just let us know how God is meeting you because that's encouraging for us yeah. and for other listeners as well.
0: Yeah, Aubrey, that episode that she was referring to was the episode with uh, Ron and Nan Deal.
1: Oh, that was oh uh,
0: and it I powerful, mean such an incredible episode. Yeah. And yeah. you know, one of the things that um that that I'm I'm really encouraged by in terms of what we do. Sometimes what we do as far as hearing people's stories can be very heavy. It can I mean right. it, Right. We get done with interviews a lot of times and it's like, whoo, you know, mm. but what I'm encouraged by is that, um, this, this lady feels seen and heard. She feels understood yeah. because someone else was willing to step into that vulnerable space and share their story. Mm. And, um, you know, I think if there's nothing else as you're walking through your pain and your suffering right now, if you can just one, understand that you're not alone, there's other people who are struggling yeah. in the same way that you are as well. Yeah. So have your eyes up to see those opportunities that, you know, God's going to bring you to share your story with someone else or to share what God's teaching you with someone else and to be a recipient of that as well. Um, That's how God works. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to heal you. He's going to mend you. He's going to restore you. And often it's going to be through other people and their testimony.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Thanks for that word, Davey. Well, stick around. Davey and I are going to unpack a little bit of his conversation with Ken Baugh. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that interview.
0: Ken, it's so great to have you joining me on the Nothing is Wasted podcast.
2: Thanks, Davey. It's great being with you today.
0: Man, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, where where are you at uh, in the country? What do you do? Um, And then I would love for you you to tell, because we've noticed something as we've been interacting with you, that you sign (laughs) off your emails with the tagline, nothing is wasted. So every time we see that, it kind of perks our our eyes and our ears. And we we love to hear the thought process behind it. I love for our listeners to hear it. So why don't you give us a little bit of context to who you are and why nothing is wasted?
2: Yeah, well... Uh, so I live in Southern California with my wife Susan. We've been married for 36 years. Uh, we have two adult daughters, uh, three grandchildren, and a multi poo named Ro. So don't, <laughs> ju- don't, don't judge me on that because she thinks she's a pit bull. Uh, uh, I was a local church pastor for 25 years in 2014, started my own uh, discipleship ministry called the Institute for Discipleship Training. Uh, and I Uh, Basically, full time uh, coach pastors and Christian businessmen. I'm Mm. also a professor in the Master in Education uh, program at Tabor College Mm. in Trauma and Neuroscience. And I'm an author. I dabble in that at least. Uh, And really, I'm kind of, I've described myself more as a concierge pastor these days as probably anything else. Yeah. yeah. And so (laughs) that's a great descriptor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's all. It kind of, it kind of describes really well those of us who have been in local church ministry as senior pastors or senior leaders or any other kind of role. But then we're kind of in this weird space where we're trying to figure out, I'm still pastoring, but I don't, I don't have my own church, you know, and people don't understand that. People say, Davey, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. Like, oh, well, tell me about your church. I'm like, well, I I don't have a church. I just pastor people and I'm in a lot of different churches and concierge pastor, pastor, I'm going to start using that.
2: There you go. That's awesome, man.
0: That's awesome. Well, um, so tell me about nothing is wasted. What, what's the story behind this?
2: About uh, eight years ago, I fell and broke my wrist. I wish I could say I, I did it in a cool way, racing motorcycles or something <laughs> like that. But I actually slipped and fell at the local dump here and oh, man. <laughs> broke my wrist and uh, ended up having to have two surgeries and put a metal plate in it. And the, the week that I broke it, I was supposed to go speak at a retreat up in Montana. And my surgeon said, I need you to cancel that trip. And we need to do surgery right away. And I Mm. said, yeah, that's not going to work, doc, because I got too many people counting on me to be up there. So I asked him to stick me in a cast and give me something to manage the pain. And so I went off and it, it dawned on me when I met, I was at the airport. I usually get my cup of Starbucks and go wait at my gate and I'm got my roll on bag and everything. And I'm standing there with my cup of Starbucks realizing I only have one hand that works. How am I going oh, to get man. my coffee to my... And that's the important stuff of life, right? right how am I going right. to get my coffee to the cake? And so there was this guy looking at me, and I think he just you know had empathy for me. And he's like, hey, can I carry your coffee for you wherever you're going? Oh, and I'm like, man. really? That's awesome. That's so awesome. that was one situation that I'm standing to try to get my overhead bag in, in you know the overhead, trying to contemplate how I'm going to flip this thing up there. And another guy behind me said, hey, do you need some help with your bag? And so he did that. So it was just these lessons of yeah. dependency. And God's sovereignty is the biggest attribute of God that <clears throat> really I connect with very deeply, part of just life experience and such. Yeah. And so I'm just up there at the retreat, uh, having some time alone with God, feeling pretty discouraged about all this. And that's when I felt just the Holy Spirit kind of gently saying, you know, Ken, part of what I'm doing through this is teaching you dependency. Mm. And to ask for help, to let other people come alongside and help you. And so that's where that phrase, nothing is wasted, uh, came about.
0: Right. That even in these quite literally broken moments, right, where your your wrist is actually broken, but for us metaphorically, right, the broken moments of our life, that God is still using those moments to teach us some things. We call it the classroom of pain. Yeah. You know, that there's these insights and these mysteries about the character and nature of God and really about us that we wouldn't otherwise know unless we were walking through these very difficult situations.
2: Yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, I got, I got fired from my job as senior pastor in 2014. We can talk about that, Uh but the, the pain around that was so debilitating and it triggered, it triggered so much of my unresolved stuff that I had. But one of the things that I've learned over these last seven years in how God works through pain is He allows pain in our lives, I think, for two primary reasons. One is because it's in that pain that I learn something about God that I can't know any other way. How, right. how can I know that God is my provider yep. if I'm never in need? Yep. How can I know that He's my comforter if I'm yep. never in pain? Mm. Uh, the other aspect of that is I believe that everything God does is relational. He's a relational being. Mm. And... Uh, Wanting to be with us through those seasons of pain, yeah. is is a very intimate, uh, bonding experience. That right. if we will lean into that, we will ha- we will experience an intimacy with Jesus that I'm not sure we can experience in any other way.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's so good. You know, you you already alluded to this this uh, season in 2014. Um, you know, uh, just having been in a transition of going from pastor into a new, you know, a new and different kind of pathway of life, whether you call it career calling or whatever you want to call it. I know that that can be very painful no matter how it takes place, you know, but as you articulated a firing, why don't you tell us a little bit about that incident? And then, you know, also as you're alluding to all the stuff that it began to kind of bring out in you, um, Tell us, story with us a little bit. Tell us what went on, what happened. And because um, I know that there's some really deep insights that the Lord has shown you even through this that I would love for us to be able to glean from.
2: Yeah, you know, so that was seven years ago. And I had really sensed strongly that God wanted me to take the church in the direction of discipleship, to make discipleship the main thing. Yeah. And my understanding of discipleship has evolved quite a bit since then but i see it as our formation into the image and likeness of christ so that discipleship points us in that direction whether you call it spiritual formation discipleship spiritual growth whatever right and so as i was trying to um, work with the elders my executive uh, pastoral team to move help them move in that direction it just created all kinds of conflict and it wasn't It wasn't because these guys were opposed to discipleship at all. It was just that they couldn't get their head around my understanding of discipleship was much more holistic and Mm. it involved uh, identifying and working through unresolved emotional pain. It involved how did God create our brains to work Mm. and how that it makes sense to me that he created our brains to work in a certain way that are going to be in sync with his formation, his way of formation. So as I was trying to help them understand all of this, and I was working on my doctorate at the time in discipleship, uh, it just created so much conflict. And just the way that I'm wired, it just—it was kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts. It just—it uh, just ate away at me, and got me to this place where I was just completely exhausted and. So, you know, when you get to that that place of burnout, you start pulling resources from every other relationship, every other right. area of ministry, right. just so that you can get a sermon together and stand in the pulpit and deliver. Yeah. And so while the congregation uh, didn't see any effect in that regard, the rest of my staff and team did. I had a large yeah. staff. And, and uh, you know, to the elders, I, I will say... I had started letting go of leadership responsibility. I had started it, it was affecting me in my yeah. leadership. There's no yeah. question about it. Well, instead of them coming alongside of me to help help with that, they just decided that I was done. Mm-hmm. And so they asked for my resignation and I refused because I didn't want to stand in front of the congregation. And make it look like it was this mutual decision, God's calling me someplace else, yeah. and so we're going to kind of ride off into the sunset. I'm not wired like that. Mm. And so they said, okay, well, we're going to we're going to fire you. So they terminated me without cause. And wow. basically the statement of the congregation was, Ken doesn't have the leadership gifts to take the church to the next level. Nobody believed mm. him. And it created a firestorm. And so it was a firestorm <clears throat> in my own heart.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but then, you know, I'm running into people in our community, oh, yeah. uh, all over the place. And so it's just like this, every time you run into somebody, you get, you feel like you just get stabbed again. And right. so it was a very painful, um, Whew. few years at least. Wow.
0: You know, when it comes to ministry and leadership and church life and that fe- fellowship of believers and all of those things mingled together you you experience life transitions together. You experience the marriages and the births and the, you know, the funerals and all of these things. And it, it bonds you, it galvanizes you in such a yeah. way that a normal, in some cases, you know, or most cases in kind of the marketplace, a normal work relationship is not going to galvanize you together. And so these kinds of things can really cause this severing in your soul. this yeah. almost feeling of divorce.
2: Yeah. It yeah. felt like a death and and a divorce at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm not busting on the local church, but we talk about being a family and we talk about, you know, we want to let all brokenness be yeah. at this place. But, you know, I work with a lot of pastors and... Man, if a pastor starts talking about his own brokenness, his job is on the line. Right, so it's right. it's no wonder why these guys just kind of zip it up yeah. and and go into isolation, and then it just compounds the problem. Yeah, until it gets to the point where they either self destruct yep. or they they go do it on purpose just because they can't handle the dissonance any longer.
0: Yes, right, yeah, and we're, unfortunately, we're seeing this happen over and over yes, and over yes. and over. Um. So, let me ask you this: you know you were on this journey already before this. You were on this journey of you know connecting physically what 's going on the way God wired us, the way that He created us, even from a to, to the level of neuroscience, how we created our brains to function, how we created everything to work, and our spiritual formation and those things being integrated, not being disintegrated, which historically you know the church has oftentimes tried to, to tried to separate those things quite a bit for fear of well, we're getting a little bit too much into self-reliance because we're looking at the physical side of things, you know, uh, and, and there are lots of different reasons, right? But this is a conversation that really fascinates me. You're on this journey discovering this stuff. I'm curious as to how kind of your own childhood trauma played into jumping into that journey, going down that road, and then the healing maybe that God was doing in that journey prior to this big explosion happening of being fired. You know, talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Uh, so for the last 11 years, I've been a, a teaching pastor at a men's event in Montana. It's at a 2000 acre ranch. It's called the Trinity Encounter. Okay. And we, it's, there's, there's small cohorts of men, 15 to 20 men. Um, and it's a mix of business guys, pastors, missionaries. We have people come now from all over the world uh, to this, and it's a it's a four and a half day intensive discipleship mm-hmm. intensive. When I started first, when I first started doing that, Davy, uh, one of the so the the rhythm of every day is time in general session teaching, time alone with God, and then time in small group. Right. So we do that. That's the rhythm of the day. Right. And in the beginning, I started seeing these guys going out in their time alone with God, coming back into those small groups with these revelations of things of pain that they hadn't thought about in 30 years of even, even to the point of some, some of the guys would come back with a, a new understanding of sexual abuse, trauma Mm -hmm. in their own life, uh, or other things of that magnitude that basically they had just disassociated and kind of parked that in in a place that just wasn't even accessible. That's when it really started hitting me that, wait a second here. There is, there is no compartmentalization going on, that yeah. we are a material being and an immaterial being, and both of those work together and influence each other. Right. And then, as I really started digging into, I had, I had a lot of background and training in psychology and theology. Okay. Um, and then my Master's of Divinity degree uh, from Trinity focused on those two dynamics, but I didn't have any experience with neuroscience. And so as i as i was working on my dissertation i kept coming back to scripture in in there's something about our thinking that that is a huge factor yeah. in this process right and then as i continued studying more I, that's that's kind of how it all came together and so my model for discipleship is an integration of psychology theology and neurology right so it's this robust biblical theology infused with findings from psychology and yeah. neurology and that brings those two parts of us that material immaterial self together in a way that i think is consistent with the creation account i think it's consistent with how we read about our own formation process through scripture and so it kind of evolved if you will from my first-hand experience yeah. with the guys at the ranch wow
1: Hi, Nothing is Wasted family, it's Aubrey Sampson, and I am so thrilled to tell you about my brand new book release, Known, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. It just came out on Tuesday, September 7th, and I would love to invite you to be a part of this journey with me, to read the book, engage with the book, and share about the book with your friends. So much is tied up in our longing to know who we are, to know our worth, to know whether we're loved, to know what we're meant to do with our lives. But there's a powerful truth that settles every question that we ask about ourselves. Here's the truth. God has named us. And the names that he has spoken over us settle every question and every pain we have experienced in our journey. So Nothing Is Wasted, I would love to invite you to go to nothingiswasted.com slash known to find out more and to buy the book today.
0: When you and I talk about this as pastors, I already know about. I already am sitting here thinking, okay, there's going to be a lot of objections from certain camps of Christianity. They're going to go, wait a minute, hold on, you can't integrate all three of these things. You can't integrate neurology, psychology, and theology, right? Um, I'm sure you've come across that in your work. All right, most of the people that are listening to this podcast, they're not pastors. Now they are in church, and so they're not necessarily think. You know, they're not like. Seeing it from that perspective, it actually makes sense to most of them. They're like, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why, you know, it would all integrate together." But there are camps that would say otherwise. And so, can you tell me some of the objections? Kind of override some of those objections that might even be going on in some of the, you know, in people's hearts as they're listening to this, especially if they are in leadership in churches or they're, you know, and 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 they've heard some other kinds of teaching.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a great question, and I I really do think. It's a valid um, point of conversation because it does seem antithetical. How can the, the the basic presuppositions of most of our psychology and the humanism that it comes out of and yeah. the unconditional positive regard of Carl Rogers, let's say, <clears throat> and all of Freud's kind of wackadoodle ideas about certain things, how in that, how in the world can that inform us in any way in our spiritual formation right and and i think that's a really good question and i think you could you could apply the same thing to neuroscience you know it, it's getting to the point where we're getting enough information about neuroscience that you can you could make a case for somebody being so conditioned by their environment that they're not responsible for their own actions yeah and so of course then that would fly directly in the face of scripture as well mm-hmm. so i don't have the answer for all of the nuances of that Davey, but what i would say is we have two main uh, aspects of revelation. We have special revelation, which is scripture, and right. we have general revelation, which is creation. In yeah. Romans 1, Paul says that <clears throat> even God's divine attributes are clearly seen in the creation account. That's right. So that's what, where I put science and, you know, anthropology, sociology, psychology, neurology, all the ologies I would put under yeah. the umbrella of general revelation
0: Yeah.
2: and and let special revelation scripture inform us, right? Yeah. And yes, you need to be discerning. You don't just take stuff stock, lock and barrel. If I'm not advocating that. Right. The other thing is it makes no sense to me for God to create our brains to work in a certain way yeah. and then not sync up with that. Our formation in Christ process. Yeah. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. And so when you take both of those ideas to Scripture, that's when I think you start seeing some things that you may not have th- saw before, right. like this right. overriding emphasis on our thinking. Right? Mm-hmm. Paul talks about this in a <clears throat> number of different places. Uh, you know, Paul was a neuroscience and scientist, and didn't even know it. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's right. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive to Christ. Yeah. Um, uh, Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, honorable, pure, lovely, commendable, think about these things. Yeah. Uh, Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above. And I could go on and on and on. Yeah. So what in the world do those passages mean if we're not going to look at them in a way that is in alignment with how God created us to be? Mm, yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. So, it, you know, I, I think about that in terms of like, um, we always say, we, we say it very oversimpl- oversimplified, and I've said this multiple times, but science should always make us go, oh, that's how God created things to work. Yeah. And there are going to be seasons of scientific discovery quote unquote or scientific theory that might later be proven wrong right that the science yep. it comes back out and they're like oh actually that's not how it works the way we thought it worked i mean biggest example of that would be everybody thinking the world was flat totally and then you know you've got coperna right copernum copernicus copernicus that's <laughs> Galileo. And yeah yeah, yeah copernum is the place that jesus did most of his ministry <laughs> copernicus <laughs> Who who his theory was? No, this is this is round. Well, right. what's crazy about that is Isaiah forty calls it the circle of the earth. Right. So to your point, you know, Paul being a neuroscientist, not even knowing it, scripture is showing us some of these things. Um, I wonder if Copernicus read Isaiah forty and goes, I don't. I don't think it's flat. I've got all these other things that are telling me it's flat, but there, here's some evidence here in scripture, here's some evidence here that I, and I'm going to merge those things to discover the reality of what's going on here. Yep. And that's just, you know, an example of how these things are integrated, right?
2: Yeah. It's a good example. I mean, just take germ theory. I mean, you, yeah. there's all kinds of things, right. That we have discovered that, that before you'd be laughed out of the operating room if right. you were, you know, talking about going, washing your hands and putting gloves and a mask on. Yes. Yes.
0: So here, here's where I'm cur- curious then. So as you're going through this, you know, crazy transition, you know, you even said earlier that there are some times that you're feeling cornered in some of these meetings prior to being fired and you're beginning to respond and react out of what you recognize now as unaddressed trauma or survival mode, you know, your brain is all of a sudden flipping over into, you know, going to the limbic system where it's fight, flight, or freeze. Yep. We all have different responses to trauma, but it all, it comes out sideways. However, spiritual formation scripture gives us tools on how to respond in those situations, right? How to recognize those things. How would you, if you're kind of stepping back now as like an assessing, Ken Baugh in that situation, how would you advise Ken Baugh to take scripture and then and, and 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 interject that into what you were experiencing there with these trauma responses?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure I could have done that on my own. Mm. <clears throat> um, having somebody else help speak into that would have would have, and I did have uh, my a good friend of mine who was a pastor for many years. He's also a psychologist. And he really walked me through some of the dark days after that. But yeah. he was in some of those meetings with me. And, you know, he would show me empathy and give me compassion and just say, you know what, Ken, this is really hard. But I was in denial. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was telling me this is over. And I'm like, what do you mean this is over? This isn't over. These guys aren't going to fire me. They're not going to throw me mm-hmm. out of my ear. That's not how these guys are. So, so there is that. Um, I have thought a lot about... You know, my current self going back to my past self when I would sit on the beach at four o'clock in the morning crying out to God and trying to figure out what in the world am I going to do? Yeah. What would I say to myself? And honestly, David, I think it came down to the fact where it's like, Ken, you have been a follower of Jesus for 46 years. Mm. When has he ever let you down? Mm. This is, which never, you can trust him. He is working in this, even though you don't see it right now, and it's going to be okay. Mm. I don't know how far that would have gone or if I would have thrown myself, my, my future self, <laughs> <into> the, <laughs> under yeah, the rocks. Right. Um, but the, the hard thing about trauma, David, as you know, is when we're in that um, hypervigilant state, mm-hmm. our prefrontal cortex where we do all of our rational thinking and creativity and stuff, it goes offline. Right. And we essentially become a victim to our own yeah. um, fear. And Mm. our own insanity, if you will. Mm. And man, I got so stuck in that place of hypervigilance that I couldn't see my way out of it. And, you know, your body starts dumping cortisol and adrenaline into your bloodstream. And, you know, you are just you are ready to take on the bear. Yeah. And then if it gets too overwhelming, then you just shut down. Right. Yeah. You just go to that's that freeze mode where you just disassociate. Right. And that did happen a few days later after all this took place. But here's the thing. All my years being a pastor, all my years walking with Jesus, all my knowledge of Scripture, that is all left brain stuff that becomes to a large degree inaccessible when you're in a state of hyper stress and arousal. Yeah, yeah. That's why we need somebody coming alongside of us and going putting their arm around us. And saying, Ken, I'm here. Mm. This is hard. We're gonna get through this together.
0: Yeah.
2: Just even a level of empathy,
0: you know, from somebody else, kind of peering into your situation, speaking into that situation, can almost help to jolt you out of that, you know, trauma response and back into, you know, the reality anchored in knowing this is the truth, this is what really is is true about your situation right
2: now. Yeah, it, it that that compassion and empathy from another human being becomes a, a way of regulating your own yeah. emotion. And so it's, it's like when we're working with a two-year-old having a tantrum. Yeah. When we pick them up and hold them and talk soothingly to them and validate, yeah, I know... I know you're upset because Sally took your toy and that's not fair. And I know you want to hit her, but we, that's not what we do. We don't hit our sister when she takes our toy. And instead of letting them get you all, you know, riled up, you are regulating their emotions as you are modeling that and kind of taking that on and governing it for them. That's part of what parents are to do with their children. And and that's what leads to self-regulation 30 years later when you get terminated that you don't come back with a gun and start taking people out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of learn how to parent yourself in some ways. Exactly. You, You learn the tools for that. That was going to be my next question is, you know, how do I, um, it seems like we all have different thresholds as far as like our prefrontal cortex is responding, you know, or shutting down at a certain threshold. It's almost like pain thresholds. There's trauma thresholds. Yes. Surely there's a way to strengthen that, you yeah. know, and surely that has something to do with our spiritual formation. Yeah. Can, can you, can you help us know how do how do I strengthen this threshold? Like I don't want, okay. I realize I've gone through all of these different things, whether it's big T trauma, little T trauma, I'm, I'm recognizing responding in these ways that are, are, trauma responses. I don't want to, because it seems to be hurting people around me, mm-hmm. but, but I, but I, I, if I flip over every time I flood, how do I strengthen that threshold? How do I begin to self-regulate and parent myself?
2: So a guy named Jim Wilder has taught me a lot about, uh, the, the purpose of joy and resiliency. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim was really good friends with Dallas Willard They worked together for many years. In fact, Jim taught with Jane Wilder, Dallas's wife, at the Shepherd's House, which was their counseling center in Southern California here for 30 years. Jim's a psychologist. He's also a neurotheologian. And Jim and Dallas were going to write a book together, but Dallas knew that he was dying, and so he told Jim that he needed to write it himself. So Jim did. The book's called Renovated. And Jim and I have talked... Uh, my editor reached out to him because my editor edited his book, Renovated, when he was editing mine. Yeah. And so Jim and I started up a friendship, and Jim started helping me understand a lot more about the right and left brain dynamic. And huh. what he helped me see, um, and I'll just try to, I'll try to do this really quickly. Relational joy is what enables us to be resilient. That what relational joy is, is when, I, when you are with somebody who is glad to be with you, their face lights up when you walk in the room. What that does is that t- essentially turns on this joy switch in your brain that, so that the more joy that you get in this bucket, <clears throat> this relational joy you get in this bucket, enables you to deal with suffering and pain and hardship in a completely different way when you know you're loved and you are experiencing that love. And so the training part of it, Davey is you gratitude is kind of the on-ramp to, to, to joy. And so one of the things that we do is we have people uh, identify 10 golden memories. And what a golden memory is, is think about a time when you were with somebody who was delighted to be with you. Mm -hmm. And, Put yourself back into that situation. Try to visualize it, if you will, because the brain can't tell the difference between something that is real and something that is virtual. Okay. So, if you if you imagine yourself in that place, you can your brain starts believing that you're in that place, and it starts yeah. releasing those chemicals, though, that dopamine, the oxytocin, all those happy drugs, all the stuffs going on in your brain. Yeah, which is part of the bonding process, because when you are bonding, when a, when a mother infant are bonding together, right. Yeah. Cute, the cuteness of that baby gives that mother joy. Mm-hmm. When she smiles and her baby smiles, right, those mirror neurons are kicking in, that triggers that joy in that mother that enables her to deal with when the baby is crying all the time or colicky yeah. or all the challenges of just being, you know, a parent to a young child. Yeah. So God has created our brains to work in this way. Hmm. So if you can train yourself with these golden memories so that when you get into a state of that depletion, that place of feeling overwhelmed by one of your big six emotions—right, fear, shame, um, hopeless despair—that you can actually pull yourself out of that place in about ninety seconds when you start going through one of these joy exercises. Huh. And so, it is a great way, a great tool of for dealing with self-regulation, for helping to you know pull yourself out of difficult situations. And so. Yeah. You just train yourself to do that. Another way, and this is one of the things that I did, because I was finding myself waking up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning just freaking out right, and not right. being able to go back to sleep. And so I started memorizing scripture. And so what I would do is that I started training myself to, when I started worrying about something, to go immediately to the verses. And I was I had memorized Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And I would just start going over those verses in my head, and the next thing I knew, I was waking up the next morning. Because your brain can't do two things at once. You can't be terrified out of your mind and focusing on a scripture that you've memorized at the exact same time. You can't do that. And so these are just little ways of training ourselves so that when we're in the heat of the moment, we've become the kind of person – that can respond differently because of the training that we have done. And that's, that was Dallas Willard's whole point about spiritual disciplines and how those prepare us for those things.
0: Wow. Man, that is fascinating. So as you're talking about this, especially the joy factor and the delight, you know, being in the company and presence of someone who delights in you, I I just keep going back to all the scripture references of delighting in the Lord and how he delights in us, his creation. And that, it makes so much sense as you're talking that there's so many people that that's not what they see when they think of God. They don't see delight or they don't think they see delight. The reality is God delights in them. Yes. But their construct of who they think God is, is that God is uh, frustrated at them, yep. that he is mad at them.
2: Disappointed.
0: Disappointed. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. Wow.
2: Years ago, A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, said that your concept of God is the most important thing about you. That's it. Because what it does is it causes you to either move toward God or to move away from God.
0: Right, right.
2: And God has given us, David, he has given us the free will to choose what we will think about. And the way God designed the heart to work, and that's a whole really big point of my book and, and, and this conversation, because the heart is referred to over a thousand times in the Bible. And most people don't have a clue about what's going on in the heart. And one of the dynamics of the heart, as you study scripture is our thinking. And so we are not slaves to our thoughts and what you, so there's three dynamics of the heart, thought, emotion, and will you, we have direct control over our thinking. And here's what's interesting. What you choose to think about is going to affect your emotions. That's going to affect your will. That then is going to affect your behavior. So that all behavior, to Jesus' point, begins in the heart. Right. And so when you start getting into the nuances of these dynamics and you start recognizing, wow, Scripture is talking about how I need to be meditating on the truth of what God says is true yeah, about yeah. himself, about me as his son or his daughter, that I am, yeah. I am a beloved son or daughter of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am one in whom Christ dwells, right? Wow. All of those identity in Christ dynamics when we start living out of the reality of those and start seeing ourselves through that lens, yeah, that brings a completely different outcome. Wow.
0: Hey friends, do you lead a small group in your hometown or are you a part of one? Either way, are you looking for a curriculum to help guide your group through the fall? Well, Now, we have different pain-to-purpose small group package options over at nothingiswasted.com. One that is six weeks long and covers the new pain-to-purpose devotional, and one that is 12 weeks long and covers the entire pain-to-purpose course. Now, if your group is ambitious, we even have a third option. It's called the 12-week-plus package, and it comes with the entire course and the devotional. And we're running a special right now on these packages. I'll tell you about how to get in on that special in just a moment, but first, the Pain to Purpose course is an 11 part video series that is a proven pathway to help you and your small group remove the debris of crisis in your lives. Repair the broken pieces left in its wake, rebuild a solid foundation, and move forward with a renewed sense of purpose and mission as a group. Without a clearly marked path and a carefully devised plan, the valleys that we all face will only seem to grow darker, more depressing and more difficult to navigate when left unaddressed or when we try to address them on our own, which is why we believe in doing the pain to purpose course in groups so that you can find a community of people who have experienced trauma and tragedy and help each other make it out on the other side of the valley together. You'll be surprised at how people that you may have known for a long time will open up about their own pain and suffering through the life-changing pain-to-purpose journey. Now, if you're interested in learning more about how the Pain-to-Purpose course or the Pain-to-Purpose devotional could be a great resource for your small group, head over to nothingiswasted.com slash small group. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash small group. Now back to our interview. Okay, so I'm over here furiously taking notes and loving everything that you're saying right now, Ken. It's it's unbelievable. I'm curious as to, I want to go back to like the aftermath of all of this uh, that happened to you. And, I, and here's why. We had a guest recently on the podcast um, who made a statement. She said that rejection is actually redirection. And I love that statement because I'm a preacher and it's like, very memorable, you know, very easy to, you know what I mean? And it's, and it's also very true that oftentimes one of the ways that God redirects us is through what we perceive in the, in the moment as rejection. And then I have a a friend who's part of our community um, at Nothing Is Wasted. He's been on the podcast before, but he coaches pastors. His name's Ken Roberts, and he helped me to understand that normally after a really deep dark night of the soul, he borrows this from J. Robert Clinton, right? After a deep, dark night of the soul, that there is this space that God brings you into of convergence that usually is a, a transition. But it's it's a it's a a part of your calling and your season of life that all of your training, all of your past, everything seems to come to a head and it begins to make sense. It converges to this new space this new calling that God has for you. I'm curious in the aftermath, how you experienced those things, you know, because to the point, nothing is wasted, right? You can look at the situation and go, well, what am I going to do now? But I know, because I know God, he's behind the scenes working all this stuff. (laughs) Talk to me about how nothing was wasted and all of that for you.
2: So let me start it this way. All of us live in a a season of orientation where everything is predictable, right? We're kind of Mm -hmm. going along, we're skipping and jumping, everything's great. Then something happens. Then we move into this season of disorientation where nothing seems real, we're struggling. And then God in his grace and mercy moves us into a place of reorientation. Mm -hmm. And so I see those three sequences working together. And so what I would say to you, the short answer to your question is I believe that I'm doing now what I am most gifted and passionate about doing. And it took me 25 years as a local church pastor to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm a slow learner. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or, you know, you need, there were some building blocks and tools that you right. needed Absolutely. in your tool belt yeah. while being a local church pastor. Maybe you would be doing this with a completely different posture, if you didn't have that pastoral background or if you didn't have, and if you didn't have this experience where now you can empathize with people who are going through some of those big, basic core fears and, uh, trauma type responses that happen, you know, shame and all of those things that you were alluding to earlier. Now you understand it. Yep. You can walk with people.
2: Well, and empathy is something you can't fake that we can always, we can always sense when it's real, and when it's not. Yeah. And so, yeah, to your point, um, I can come alongside of pastors now who are struggling in ways that I never could before.
0: Yeah.
2: And so, and you know, the, the business community that I work with and do my coaching, their fees enable me then to do ministry to pastors and church leaders for free. So I don't even have to charge them and there's no paper trail. So it's the ultimate safe relationship, right? I don't have to report to an elder board about this is what's going on with your pastor, blah, blah, blah. I can just have this, this friendship with this pastor or this church leader and they can tell me they can tell me everything because nothing's going to shock me i've heard it all yeah and and quite honestly i've done most of it myself so you know there's no judgment here yep and when you are in a relationship when somebody actually loves and accepts you for who you are doesn't make your sin okay but they love you it creates a response that is just uh, unavailable in any other way.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And and we all need at least one person like that in
2: our life. You yes. know,
0: if not a handful of people, kind of your your team, your spiritual directors, yep. that really just love you, care about you, and walk with you. Um, I wanna I wanna talk about the, the book here in just a second. My last question before we jump into your your hopes for this book that you've released is um, burnout. That was a part of your story, yeah, it's something we don't talk about a whole lot, to be honest with you on the podcast. I'm surprised we have it mm-hmm. um, but you know what is it how do How do we recognize burnout happening inside of us? Um, we see it happen around us with you know leaders and pastors and and really all of us as we're experiencing pressures and paces that we're not meant to mm-hmm. experience but but how do we begin to recognize this and and combat against that?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, it's a real thing. And I think that's something we have to just start with because it, a lot of people may think that burnout is just kind of like, look, dude, just suck it up, buttercup. You know, everybody's right. got hard right. things going on. What I don't think most people realize, Davey, and I think we need to, as pastors and church leaders, need to do a better job, that a pastor is essentially a first responder. Yeah. And the the, the PTSD that first responders experience uh. Pastors experience that as well in, j- yeah. in just different in different ways. Yeah. And so the burnout is the result of being in a state of hyperarousal or chronic stress for a long period of time. Yeah. And what it does is it starts breaking down. If, it, if you stay in that state long enough, it bra- it starts breaking your body down. Yeah. The cortisol starts eroding your blood vessels and makes them more susceptible and, and brittle. Uh, to, you know, high blood pressure and uh, some of those dynamics. And, you know, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of, right. of men, you know, to this day. So right. chronic stress is is a bad thing. God created our bodies to respond to short bursts of stress to get us out of the way of danger yeah. or <clears throat> or to, to shut down and, and the body protects itself. So yeah. when you're in a place of hyper arousal, your body kicks in and starts doing things that you're not telling your body to do, right? Your heart rate starts beating. Your blood pulls away from your extremities to go into your vital organs. There's all this stuff that's going on internally that your body has been designed by God to kick in automatically in that state. So just you can imagine that if you live in that chronic place long term, it's going to have – debilitating effects. So right. some of the signs of burnout are chronic fatigue. Right? No, ma- no, ma- no matter how much time you take off, no matter how much you sleep, you just can't catch up. You can't. Yeah. You don't feel rested. Um, you're, an- you're anxious. You're irritable. Um, you're driving along the freeway and somebody cuts you off and you want to run them into the median until you realize, oh my gosh, I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to, to have those kind of thoughts, right? <laughs> that you start having disproportionate responses to situations. Yeah. Those yeah. are all indications, potentially, of, of burnout. You know, you're burning yeah. the candle at both ends. Uh, you know, you're trying to meet everybody's expectations. A lot of pastors struggle with codependency in that way, that, you know, there's, there's never, as you know, there's never an end to your job. There's always yeah. 10 people standing in line uh, that need your attention, that need yeah. a, a, a touch from you or some kind of encouragement. And at right. some point, you just have to say, Hey guys, I'm done. I got nothing left to give, and close the door. Yeah. But that person that was next in line, and the look on their face, haunts you for the entire rest of your day. Right. So it's it's just stuff like that. Again, I think that death by a thousand paper cuts is a good analogy. Right. Because any any handful of paper cuts, you're not going to bleed out, but a thousand of them, man, now you're in trouble. And so I think just teaching teaching uh, pastors and church leaders just on this conversation, but it applies to soccer moms, it applies to, to business yeah. people. It applies to everyone. Right. That uh, whenever you find yourself in a chronic state of stress, yeah. it is going to have detrimental effects to you physiologically, right. emotionally, and spiritually. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, Ken, you know, talk to me about this book. You've, re- you've released it this year. Uh, it's called unhindered abundance. Um, a lot of what we've talked about, you know, is some of the conversation that you have in the book as well. Um, but tell me what is what is, what is your aim? What are you trying to bring to the reader? What is what's your hopes for this book?
2: Yeah, I my, my biggest hope, Davey, is that it informs people of a of a of a process of formation that helps them become more and more like Jesus. And yeah. I see that as the overarching goal of the Christian life. <clears throat> that is what that is, you know, Paul talks about this in second Corinthians three eighteen, that we are being conform to his image and his likeness. Right. Now, while that won't be fully actualized in this life, I do think we can make more progress in that than maybe we ever thought possible. Yeah. And all of that gets tied into Jesus' words in John 10.10 10 about the abundant life and what yeah. is the abundant life. And I think a lot of believers have really shied away from that idea of the abundant life because of its often association with the prosperity gospel. Right. right. But it's not that that the abundant yeah. life is a quality of life that is the result of being transformed more and more into the image and likeness of christ which yeah. is the primary work of the holy spirit but we also participate in it and so it really is the blending my book i find is kind of the blending together of the best of dallas willard and henry now and and richard foster and you know um you know john townsend and You know, whoever all these people that have have spoken into this in this space, um, it is a way that I believe makes sense theologically, Mm. psychologically, and um, cognitively. That helps people understand how God created you, and how this process works, and what is actually available to you in Christ. That you know, so many people believe that. That salvation really is just about praying this prayer so your sin is forgiven, so you go to heaven when you die. Yeah. That is not the gospel. Right. Now, that's a byproduct right. of the gospel. Yeah. But Jesus One said, come follow it. me. Come be with me. That's right. And the yeah. implication is that by being with me, you become like me. And so right. as you become like me, now you're starting to experience my quality of life. You're starting that's experiencing right. my peace, my joy. You know, Paul tells us that we've been given the mind of Christ, right? So all of this, all these verses that seem somewhat hard to get your head around, I've really worked hard in my book to bring them to a place of of understanding, or at least yeah. one perspective, that I think is super helpful. I boil everything down. I'm a pastor, right? I'm a communicator. <laughs> I want to take yep. really difficult concepts and try to make them as approachable as possible.
0: Yeah, that's great. And
2: so this book, really, it's the culmination of my 40 years of ministry experience um, and my 10 years of my doctorate, postdoctorate work and research and personal you know, vocation as a pastor. Wow. Wow.
0: Well, I can't wait to get my hands on it. I mean, after this conversation, this has been unbelievable to just sit down and talk with you about this stuff. I geek out over this stuff. I'm a nerd over this stuff. (laughs) And mostly because of, you know, what we went through exactly in our story, what I've had to kind of work through on a a mental, emotional level, as well as what I saw, how it manifested itself physically in me, you know, and how... My body kept the score on a lot yes. of the the trauma, and how I've seen it now as we work with other people, how I've seen that be the case for everybody else. And yet, yeah. I am determined, just like you, that the quality of life that Jesus is offering um, offers us this this pathway of victory in the midst of any kind of tragedy yes. that we go through, any kind of trauma that we go through. And that's the crusade that we're on. I know that's the crusade that you're on as well, is just helping yeah. people to experience this. So, Ken, thanks so much for spending time. Where can we follow you? Where can we find out more of what you're doing and, and tap into that?
2: Yeah, so, um, so our website is idtministries.com and uh you can kind of keep track of different things there we're getting ready to launch a couple podcasts of our own mm, awesome. um with my i'm gonna my my co-professor who actually designed this program at Tabor in trauma and neuroscience he and i are going to be starting a podcast together Oh, cool. where we'll be dealing with kind of the geeky stuff of all of this yeah but yeah. i'm also going to be um launching a podcast around unhindered abundance in the book so mm it'll It'll kind of take readers kind of to the next level because the book is dense there's a lot in it there's a lot yeah. of exercises i mean you if you took an entire year and grabbed a buddy and went through this book and the exercises, I really believe Davian, and I'm not just blowing smoke here I really believe it'll change your life mm,
0: wow. because
2: the holy spirit is is working through um, these truths in such a way. And, you know, I've been testing this stuff out for the last 11 years up at this ranch that I've been talking about. And man, I'm telling you, and in my own life too, right? I mean, I'm a, I'm a client of my own work. So um, it's just been, it's been an amazing journey and I'm just super excited to see people get their hands on it as another tool in their toolbox for Christ formation. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Well, Ken, man, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And uh, I love what you're doing. I'm, I'm cheering you on. I've become now after this conversation, I've become one of your biggest fans. I appreciate you so much, man.
2: Well, Davey, I appreciate you saying that means a lot. And I, I hope we can uh, collaborate on some stuff. We can have some more conversations because we are definitely moving in the same direction.
0: That's right. We'd love that. Thanks again, man.
1: Hey, Davey, I loved your conversation with Ken, especially there towards the end when he started talking about burnout. I felt like, ooh, that is a word for so many of us, a lot of us in leadership, but I just think in general, the world right now is feeling burnout. Yeah. was really, really powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think we could probably sit and talk for hours about situations or seasons that we felt burnout. And, you know, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this here in a second. But, you know, Christy and I are, are currently feeling like we're in a season where we're experiencing burnout.
1: Oh, are you? But
0: I think that the world feels it because there's just this high stimulus constantly. Totally. Yes. And when you live with that high stimulus and, and, and there's never that rest
1: mm-hmm. or just
0: kind of the season of safety, you can very easily slip into burnout. And it's something that you don't recognize a lot of times. It creeps up on you.
1: Yeah, you know? I was thinking about... I want to hear about you and Christy. I was thinking, you know, uh, my husband, Kevin, is a pastor and he last... Year was like, Oh, I think this anger I've been feeling, this yeah. frustration I've been feeling, this this is burnout. And yeah. he finally had to go to some of the elders at our church and just say, I need help. Yeah. And thankfully, they came around him and they were like, You need to see a spiritual director. You need to go take a Sabbath. Like, you need to go fill your soul. Yep. But I do think you're right. We don't often recognize it until we're at like the lowest point of it right. or the highest point of it, depending right. on how you exactly. do it. So for you and Christy, like, how yeah. are. How did you two begin recognizing hey we're we're experiencing some burnout right now?
0: Well, you know, I think um I think for us, she's been recognizing it in herself for a while now. Hmm. Um and I've just recently begun recognizing it and going, "Oh, this is what we're experiencing." I think there are some indicators and and you pointed out one of those or a couple of those that Kevin was dealing with. I mean, I think irritability and anger, yeah. that's not typical, right? It's like right. normally I approach these situations I have a lot of capacity, emotional capacity to be able to, to handle these situations. But yeah. right now I'm feeling very irritable and you know, it comes out a lot of times sideways on your kids or your, your, your spouse, you know, the, mm-hmm. the people that you're closest to that you feel like you can kind of like let those leaking let your emotions down a out. Bit. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And so when that is prolonged or that happens for a while, you're going, this isn't me what's happening right now. Mm. Or you can begin to have, you know, some thoughts that are very scary thoughts where you're like, I either want to walk away from this, right. I want to escape this, or I mean, right. you know, in the worst situations, right, where you can begin to have some even suicide ideation or thoughts mm. that goes like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Mm. But I think that the ultimately, d- regardless of where you're on the spectrum of that, you know, burnout is one of those things that can, like, as we said, it can sneak up on you and you don't recognize it until you yeah. have like had a, had a moral failure or something is way yeah. off. You made a decision that has really derailed you or a regrettable decision or something. And so I think it's important for us to kind of take a look at this. And that's where, you know, as Ken was talking about that, we're going to experience it a ton as pastors and leaders in ministry, mm-hmm. but you're also going to experience it just in everyday life as you're dealing with all of the high stress stimulus. Totally. And there's good stress and there's bad stress, right? It's the you stress and the distress. And as long as that mm-hmm. distress is um far outweighing the bad stress you yeah. you are setting yourself up for burnout. I think you know easily defined like to your point what what you said that Kevin had to do and his your board really helped him with this was um hey go take a sabbath. Exactly. And rest. Go yeah. fill your soul and find joy yes. and so last night our listeners are going to know Dave and Mary Gothy. They lead the significant mm-hmm. marriage. They've shared their story on here. There's their certified guides for nothing is wasted. And they sat down at our table last night, um, the kitchen table. And we were just sharing with them. Like we're struggling. Like we're, we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out, we're not finding joy in a lot yeah. of what we're doing right now. And they were like, that's a lead indicator of burnout right there.
1: Wow. The
0: things you used to find joy in or the things that you should you feel like you should find joy in, you're not finding joy in. And that was exactly their diagnosis.
1: Wow. What are you Did they do? have any like wisdom for sort yes. of combat I mean, combating sounds like they're not the right word for burnout, but for refreshing.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what they said was rest. They they mm. gave us the same exact uh prescription that your elders gave Kevin. So I think wow. that's so important what you said there. Wow. That it's like, Hey, you, so we decided, and it's funny because in the pain to purpose course, we talk about Sabbath rest. We talk, you know, mm. so we understand the concept. It's not because yeah. we don't understand it, but we're not applying it right. in our lives right now. And right. over the course of a, some time of the ministry's growing like crazy and Christie's doing a bunch of stuff and parenting and kids starting school and all yep. those different transitions that happen. You can very easily compromise and go, Oh, we'll take, we'll take that Sabbath next week or we'll, Oh, yes. we need to slide this in here. Right, And they just told us last night, you have to be vigilant about this, hmm. like guard that day or those two half days or whatever it is that you're hmm. doing, guard it. Do not let anything creep into it. And yeah. after about a month of that, you might start seeing your emotions begin to turn. You know,
1: That's such good advice. And I feel like it's so easy to be like, I don't have time for rest. Like right. I have so much to do. And I do think that's sort of the lie of the flesh and the lie of the enemy to keep you on your yeah. hamster wheel, right? Yeah. And then that ultimately takes you out of the hamster cage altogether where you're not even like doing what God has called you to do. It's a terrible metaphor, but you know what I mean? So true. I I have a friend who uh, once said you, a burnout is not because you're doing too much; it's because you stop doing the things that matter. That's it, yeah. And I think that's it—that Sabbath rest, right. uh, choosing those life-giving moments. Those right. are the things that matter that keep you in ministry or leadership or whatever your call is. Yep. It keeps you in that for the long haul.
0: Yeah, I mean, to that to that point, you can you can run fast, mm-hmm. in as long as you're doing the right things. Right? You can yeah. have seasons where you are. Very productive, very efficient, very you know fruitful in right. a lot, but but they, as long as you 're doing the right things and you 're feeding your soul and your priorities are arranged properly, and you know we were we were built to be productive, fruitful people, right yeah. but it 's when we get those really out of whack, and then we then we start creeping into striving and it start starts to feel like our yep. we're running with the wind at our face instead totally. of totally really with God's breath behind us. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, it ultimately comes down like, what are are we not, we're not putting the first things first. Yeah. And, and I'm grateful, you know, for people like Dave and Mary. And I I would issue that every single person needs to have people in their lives who love them. They're for them. Yeah. They can sit down with them and go, Hey, let's open up the hood on this together Mm. without judgment or without condemnation. And let's like, Let's just help. Let's just see what's going on and, you know, offer a lot of grace at that space. I mean, there were tears last night. There was a lot of, but it was a great healing time to know, hey, we've got people here who are for us, who can, who can walk with us in this, you know?
1: Yeah. That's so powerful. I'm so glad that you had that time with them. I think you're exactly right. All of us need someone on our team who is for us and who can just remind us of the things that matter and remind us who we are. This is actually, Davey, part of why nothing is wasted exists. right Because right. we want to be one of those people on your team That's right. who are encouraging you and empowering you and walking with you through your pain journey. And if you want to go to nothingiswasted.com, we've got all kinds of resources for you. Uh, the Pain to Purpose course for churches and individuals. You can hire a certified guide. You can join a community group. Um, yep. So much really to to be what Davey's talking about. Like right. we want to be that team member for you. Right. If you're experiencing burnout, if you're experiencing grief, if you're experiencing right. pain. So again, just go to nothingiswasted.com, search some of the things there. And really our goal is to to minister to you where you yeah. are so that you can take back your story with yeah, God.
0: Absolutely. And a resource that you need to pick up. Aubrey, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. Your book released this past month. Come it on.
1: It's so exciting. Super
0: exciting. And um, I'm proud of you. This is Awesome. Thanks, I'm excited baby. to be a part of the known movement.
1: I love it. Come known. on. I love it how believing who God says you are changes everything. Thanks, Davy. Right. Thanks so much.
0: So we need to make sure everybody picks up a copy of Known, and I'm sure we're going to be doing some giveaways as the weeks go on here with absolutely. Uh, Through nothing is wasted. So make sure you follow us on Instagram so you can find out how to win those giveaways, Um, and we also are going to be it was starting pretty soon emailing those opportunities out to you as well. So you're going to want to join our email list as well. You can do that at nothingiswasted.com. Follow us on Instagram at nothingiswastedministries. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn, and you can follow Aubrey at AubSamp.
1: And we'd also like to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Next week, we're joined by Ryan Atkins, who has yeah. a powerful story Ooh. of a life-altering accident yeah. and how God showed up in some really, really traumatic stuff. So let's yeah. go ahead and take a listen to part of Davy's conversation with Ryan Atkins.
2: Fall of 2009, um, I was on the way to a college retreat and lost control of my vehicle. Uh, quickly flipped over multiple multiple times on the side of the road.
0: And next thing I know, I was stuck in the
2: bottom of my car. Uh, I had, was unable to move anything. Oh, man. It was hard time breathing. And I laid there in the crushed car wondering... Is this it? Is this the end of my life? God, Wow! like, please spare my life. Um, In the the ensuing hours, I was helicoptered to a local emergency room, and it was quickly deemed that I had broken my neck Mm. and I was paralyzed below the shoulders.